let's get into the word. You know, some of you may know my story. Four days old, my parents took me to the house of God. I grew up in church. I grew up knowing Jesus, loving Jesus. And you know, at the age of 18, I left home to go to a town to do my nurse training. And I remember after qualifying as a nurse, three years training, qualifying as a nurse, a few of my friends, we had gone off to live not in the town, but we had decided that we wanted to live in a little country, country cottage. Yes. If those that know me know I love tea, I love the countryside, I love a fireplace, I love a white picket fence. So it is a miracle that I am in Berlin and I've lived in London also. Tell you what, I always thought I'd grow up with, a, you know, in the, live in the countryside with lambs and that in the back garden. But we don't have lambs in our back garden, we have builders in our back garden here in Berlin. But I do remember very clearly, I remember very clearly at the age of 21, my friends, two of my friends, all our other friends decided to live in the town with central heating in nice apartments. But we decided to go and live in this beautiful, quaint little cottage with no heating and uh, literally icicles inside the house during the winter. But we loved it because it was all things lovely and British and we loved it. Constantine, you would have loved it. If you are here, you would have loved it. And it was beautiful. You know, we didn't even have the fireplaces what heated up the hot water in the tank. That's how far back we're going. Now remember, this is 21. And in this village that we lived in, there was only a church, an English pub, a telephone box, a red one, and a post box. And I remember one day coming home from work and just this stirring within my heart that I wanted to grow up. I wanted to grow up spiritually. And I just felt like I was stuck in this one place and I needed to know more. I was desperate to know more. In actual fact, the reason Mark and I left England and went to Hillsong College back in the day, in the 90s, was because we were desperate to grow. And I remember getting up and I went and I walked into the village and I walked because it was in the days when we didn't have mobile phones and we didn't have even a telephone connection in our little cottage. So I remember walking to the telephone box and picking up, putting my coins in and phoning my father who I knew was at home because he was a pastor and a missionary, but I knew his home at this time. And I called him and to hear his voice say, hello, Betta, which in Indian, in Hindi means hello, darling daughter. And um, I remember saying to him, dad, I am desperate to grow. I want to grow spiritually. You have taken me to church since I was four days old and I know Jesus and I love him, but I feel like I'm stuck and I want to grow up. And so when I went home, my father sat me down and he, he actually um, gave me a book and taught me something that I actually want to demonstrate to you this morning. I have a few people who are going to come up and help me demonstrate this. If you want to come up now, guys. I want to do this demonstration because this actually changed me. This was pivotal in me understanding that why my spirit was created, my spirit was connected to God and I love Jesus, that there was still more, that there was my soul side that needed to catch up with what God had done in my spirit. And you know, God, when He created us back in the day, He created us spirit, soul and body. And he said, back in the day with Adam and Eve, he basically said to them, this is, this is the ideal. I've created you in my image. I've given you a soul, which is your mind, your will and emotions. And I've housed it all in your beautiful body. 
And he said, obey me, listen to me. My instructions for you are good. They are to prosper you. They are to do you good, not to do you harm. And he said to them, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which incidentally was in the center of the Garden of Eden. The center. I think that's very key. If we can just keep him center of every area of our lives. But Adam and Eve, as we know, they sinned. They basically disobeyed God. And because of that, they were separated from God. But you know, we know also, don't we? Because that's what we've been celebrating here today, that Jesus was the answer to this disconnect. So Jesus came, he lived, he died. He lived the perfect life, he died. He conquered hell, death and the grave. And he gave us yet another opportunity to choose life. So when you and I give our lives to Jesus Christ, and if you are here today and you don't know him and you have not given him your life so that you can have a relationship with him, today is your day. Today is your day. Amen. So those of us who've accepted Jesus, his spirit is now connected to God. Yay. There is so much rejoicing in heaven when one sinner comes home, when one person crosses from an eternity in darkness to eternity in light, in the presence of the love of our Saviour Jesus. Amen. So much rejoicing. But you know, this is great. You know and I know that there is more to our lives than just our spirit. And also that, although that is the most important part to mean we are going to be heaven bound, we also have a soul and a body we need to navigate while we are here on earth. And that's why, that's why we are encouraged in the Word of God to put on the armour of God. Because when we put on the armour of God, what we do is we allow our soul and our body to start lining up with the plan that was first intended. Amen? At salvation, yes, heaven bound. Praise the Lord for that. But that is just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. We have received salvation first. And from that moment, from that very moment of receiving salvation, we have the opportunity to apply that all that salvation has obtained for us. It's incredible. You know, when we read Ephesians, and I hope that you have been um, stirred up to read the book of Ephesians, because when we read Ephesians, especially in Ephesians 1, we actually see Paul painting a picture of everything that Christ has obtained for us. Redemption, yes. Our sins are forgiven. Heaven is our home. But he also shows us in these scriptures that salvation means more. It means that we are chosen, that we are holy, blameless, that we are graced, that we are adopted by God, that we are raised up with God. We're not dirty bugs living down here. We are raised up to God. We're joined to heirs with Christ Jesus. This is incredible. And that God loves us the same way He loves Jesus. Yet we were not the ones that died on the cross. We're not the ones that went and conquered hell, death and the grave. Yet He loves us the same way He loves Jesus. It is remarkable. We're taught already by Paul in these early chapters that we have the greatness of God's power working within us, working within us and working on our behalf. The greatness of God's power. Seriously, I was reading Ephesians 1 this week and I was like, I can't read it anymore because I've highlighted so much. It's all been stirred up afresh in me. It's, it talks about, Paul lays this foundation that we have a great hope, not just a hope but we have a great hope. And we have the Word of God. 
We have the Word of God, which is described as the belt of truth that Mark has been teaching on in previous weeks. So all of this and more has been made available to you and I through salvation. And it will be outworked in our lives as you and I. It's going to be outworked in your life and my life as you and I renew our minds. Renew our minds. I want to read Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 17, which is this portion of Scripture that is the foundation of this pattern of sound teaching that we are bringing to church right now. We need to put the armor on because we are going into battle. Like whether you like it or not, we are in a battle. But the good thing is, as the scripture will tell us, is that the battle is not flesh and blood. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we do not need to look far to see that evil is in the heavenly realms. But I'm pleased that God goes on and says in verse 13, Therefore, and wherever you see a therefore, you have to pause and see what it is there for. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Therefore, therefore, put on, put on the full armor of God. Put on, that's you and I, we have to put it on ourselves. You all came here and thank God you put on clothes. You're looking mighty fine. We put on our clothes, put on the full armor of God, not just the salvation, but the outworking of that salvation. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand your ground, you're standing your ground. And after you've done everything, you're still standing. Stand firm then. What are we going to stand firm in? We're going to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is so good. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to share with you about growing up spiritually by putting on the full armor of God. And in particular today, I want to share on putting on the helmet of salvation. Because that is how we renew our minds with the helmet of salvation. That is that is so important because if our soul is to line up with the salvation our spirit has experienced, it will only do this if we actually renew our minds. Otherwise, we will be heaven bound, but we won't live any differently than to those who do not yet know Jesus. Amen. And that is the plan of the enemy. John 10 verse 10 says the enemy has come to still kill and destroy. And if he can stop people from making Jesus their Lord and Savior, great. That's, then he's achieving his goal. 
But if we have made Jesus our Lord and Saviour, then his next goal is to stop us living out that salvation. And so for you and me, we need to get savvy. We actually need to be smart. And we've got everything we need through God, through Christ in us to actually live a victorious life. Amen? Amen? We're encouraged. We're encouraged in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to 9 to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion lion looking for someone to devour. He's not coming to negotiate. He's coming to devour. And so as the church of Jesus Christ, we cannot, be afford, we cannot afford to run into battle naked. I mean, that could frighten the enemy, but, but we cannot afford to run into a battle naked. We would know if we sent our army, men and women, to battle, we would be foolish not to have them girded up with all the army equipment that they need. You can hardly see some of them because they're just camouflaged into the desert or wherever they're positioned or placed. And you know what God wants for us? He wants us to look like him. So when the enemy sees us, he doesn't actually see us. He sees God. You see, we're talking about the army of God here in Ephesians. But in Isaiah, God turned up with his armor on. He turned up with his very helmet and breastplate on. But what is amazing because of Jesus... And the cross, we now get the very armor of God. Sometimes when you see people in battle, you don't know which soldier is which because they just look the same. We are to look the same as God. Isn't that amazing? And he's given us the opportunity to be able to do that. He's enabled us through the Spirit of God that is working. It's not our own works. It's the works of God in us. He's enabled us to have his armor to have his armor. What an opportunity. Let's not waste this opportunity, but let's put the armor of God on so that we will not be distracted with the cares and concerns and the challenges that come our way. And yes, we live in a fallen world and we do have challenges. And right now, some people are in here that have got greater challenges than maybe the the rest of us. But no doubt about it, we all have challenges. And I know for myself, I have to hold on to the word of God as if it is my lifeline because it is my lifeline. There are situations and circumstances and times and seasons in life where we need to hold on to it. And then when the seasons are not like that, we still need to hold on to it so that we'll be strong when the enemy does come, when the challenges do come. Amen? Jesus came. The devil might come to kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus came. And I love that that word but is there at that point in the scripture. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. And life more abundant is not a challenge-free life. Life more abundant is that we are an overcomer. We are an overcoming, victorious kind of believers. That's what it means. That's what it means, that He is with us. It's not this perfect life, but it literally is this overcoming, overcoming obstacles kind of life. A life that says, yes, I may have challenges, but my faith in Jesus Christ helps me. Amen? We've got to stand firm in the faith because the roaring lion says he is only like a roaring lion. And I believe as a church, we have made a stand and we have said that he may not devour us. He may not devour the next generation. He may not devour our our city, our nation, our world. 
It doesn't matter what we hear, we're still going to stand. Having done all, we are still going to stand and say, you may not devour. You may not devour. You may have chosen us, but we do not choose you. We utterly condemn and reject you. And we need to get that resolve in our hearts that there may be things that have chosen us, but in the name of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus that is protecting our lives, we do not choose you. We utterly condemn and reject you. And we do that with the Word of God. Amen. Standing firm in the truth that He has made available to us. That's the only way for you and I to live in this world. It's the only way we're going to live a life full of hope and confidence in this gone crazy kind of world we are living in, through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Amen? So putting the helmet of God on, putting the helmet of salvation on, means renewing our minds. And what all this is, it's so simple. But do you not often find that the simple things are not necessarily the easiest things to do? Because it takes self-control and self-discipline, does it not? But literally renewing our minds is simply exchanging our natural thoughts with God's spiritual thoughts. Amen? And this, as Mark said earlier, has the power to transform us. It has the power to change us from the inside out, developing and maturing as we set our minds on God's values and what His words and His truth has to say about our situation, about our life, about our loved ones, about our city, our nation, our government, our world. Amen? This message is not just for our own individual lives, but the stronger we get individually, the stronger we get collectively, the stronger the impact we will have on our nation and on our city. Romans 12 verse 1 in the Amplified Version says, Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you, for you. Our lives will be transformed to the degree our minds are renewed. Did you get that? Our lives will be transformed from the inside out to the degree our minds are renewed. Wrong thinking actually separates us from God's provision. It separates us, it distances us, and it separates us from God's provision. But salvation gives us an opportunity to apply a new way of thinking. And it enables us to access God's provision for our lives. Isn't that incredible? Just renewing our minds to what His words are. We're going to do that as we focus on God's Word. I can't do it for you, and alas, you cannot do it for me. We have to do it for ourselves. You know, for those of us who are parents, we can take our children so far, and then they have to start doing it for themselves. And sometimes it just needs that sit-down, eyeball-to-eyeball conversation. 
You can't do it for your flatmates. You can't do it for your husband or your wife. We can only do it for ourselves. Where are your symptoms? Is it fear and anxiety and stress? The muscle of peace is what you need to find. Where are your symptoms? Is it mourning the loss of someone or something? A relationship, a job? Then you need to go and find comfort. Is it despair? There's joy. Is it ashes? There's beauty. Is it hatred or fear? There's love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And you know, in the world in which we're living, it can be easy to grab hold of fear. If fear is a symptom, then your muscle is the love of God because perfect love casts out all fear. As a young person, I was fearful. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And my dad said, you know, love, perfect love casts out all fear, Joyce. You don't need to be fearful. But I had thought that it was my, when I'd heard that scripture, it was about my perfect love for Jesus. And I kept thinking, well, I mustn't love him perfectly because I'm fearful. But it took a gracious father to explain to me, it is not your perfect love for him. It's his perfect love for you. And if you focus on building and renewing your mind on his perfect love for you, you will find that the fear and the things of this world will grow strangely dim as you focus on the eyes of Jesus, as you focus on the love that he has in his eyes and in his heart for you that caused him to leave the splendor of heaven and die for you and die for me. Amen? And I want to encourage you to actually get proactive about this. So whatever it is that you have a symptom in your life of, I want to encourage you today to find three scriptures that actually bring the solution. Three scriptures that will strengthen the muscle you need to strengthen. And like medicine, I want to encourage you to literally take them three times a day. It is so simple. Print the scriptures out, put them in the mirror, put them on your phone. Look into the mirror and read these scriptures out to yourself. You see, a really dry plant doesn't necessarily benefit from chucking a bucket of water over it. It's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So wherever you are today, you do not even need to be in the same place this time next week if you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Antibiotics are not given to you seven days, three times a day. They're not given to you in one go. They're given to you over a process of time. And that's what we need to remember, that renewing our mind is an ongoing process that we will need to be doing in our lives till Jesus comes back. But I want to encourage you to actually start putting into practice what you hear. You see, there's no point hearing it, seeing it, singing it. It's time we started to put it on. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.